Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jim Ward, CEO of BrainCell, and I have a fantastic guest with us again today. But before woo. we introduce him, yeah, woo, it's good. Woo. Thanks, Brian. Woo. Woo. We've got to get some effects because, uh, well, it's good. You're doing good. That's it. I'm trying. No, try. Yep. Yeah, keep trying. So one of the things I want to do before we introduce our guests is I want to make sure everybody knows who's on the podcast that helps me every time we get here to talk to folks. And I want to introduce, I'm going to go backwards this time. I'm going to go Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson is our content manager. And what else do you do, Brian, here at BrainCell? I just do a lot of content. I just sit in a Word doc all day and I just write things. And then sometimes I manage a podcast. That's not the only thing you do. Sometimes you try to get me to eat McDonald's and I'm not doing it, okay? I'm not okay. doing it. Well, not you, doing you're, it. you're missing out. You, yeah. you know, I know, McNuggets are I know. good. Yeah. All right. So fine. And may I also introduce Allie Lipman, who is an account executive and a technology superstar. Say hi, Allie. I'm just here for laughs. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> providing the background of laughter. <laughs> yes. Somebody's got to laugh at your jokes, Jim. Exactly right. And it needs to be you, Allie. Eliov is our guest, though. I'm jumping right into introducing our guest. From the Bot Lab, I'm introducing the CEO, president, the master strategist, Eliov Cohen. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome so, to have you. It's so, so much to talk to about. All, all things. We're going to talk not, about a lot of stuff. Not ballooning, right? Either. No, we're going to touch on ballooning because <laughs> I find that as interesting as, as our last discussion around NFTs. So let's start with this. Why don't you just first tell us a little bit about yourself, Elliot, of your company, what you do. And let me first state, though, that we are now strategic partners. Isn't that awesome? It's super exciting. Yeah, we're really excited to be partners with you guys and uh, see what we can accomplish with clients across the board, which will be a lot of fun. And we're going to be bringing your unbelievable service offerings to our clients. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. What makes you tick? Yeah. What do you think growth enablement means when we tell you we're a growth enablement company? What does it mean to you? So in general, I think it's always more fun to talk about what you do for fun first. So if you see the balloon behind me, I fly hot air balloons. And this is me flying in front of a giant active volcano. That's Mount Rainier. So I fly it in Seattle because it's the most fun possible thing you could do. And I believe that no one should do anything that is not half as fun as what they love doing. And doing the bot lab is 50% as fun as what I love doing, which is ballooning. So as long as it doesn't go below that, we're good. If it goes below that, I'm out. In an earlier conversation, we were wrapping on your ballooning of rescue. You rescued somebody in water, right? I saw it on YouTube too. Yeah, this is possibly, I believe, the only time anyone has ever rescued somebody with a hot air balloon. So normally it's like someone's rescuing the hot air balloon, right? If like been somewhere weird, whatever it is, like some hot air balloon rescue. So we were flying over the White River, uh, sorry, over the Green River, which, you know, the Green River killer, right? So I was like looking out for his spots and uh, coming down over the treetops in about eight, nine mile an hour wind, come down over the trees. And all of a sudden, I'm maybe 10 feet from the water. I'm going to touch down. These people start yelling. There's like, help, help, help. I'm like, what is going on? So anyway, I realized like, I see the raft is broken. There's this girl and this guy. So I was like, well, 
what am I going to do? It's almost sunset. It's the heat wave is coming out. So it's like 110 degrees tomorrow. Like I'm going to save these people. So I tell the other pilots I'm doing this. The other pilots don't even believe me this whole time. Come down right to the water. You can watch the video. It's hilarious. Touch the water. I tell them to come over. They wait over, get them in the balloon. I fly them over there and save their lives. So that was the first ever saving someone from a hot air balloon. So Awesome story. And it is on YouTube. What is the title so people could search it? Uh, I think it's, you know, the best is on TikTok. If you look it up on TikTok, it's under Seattle ballooning on TikTok. You can find the video. Yeah, a whole bunch of videos. Look it up. But it's funny. So the whole way, like I got into the bot lab in general was I had left the big SaaS billion dollar companies. And I was like, I'm going to start a hot air balloon company because that sounds more fun. And I ended up had live chat on the site and realized that while people are asking the same questions over and over again, you know, like, how high do you go? Can my grandma come? Can I take my infant? Can I have sex in the balloon? You know, normal questions that everyone would always ask. The sex in the balloon was my question, if you recall. It's a common question. So anyway, that's kind of where the bot lab came from of being able to be a a really effective way to optimize people's chat bots. And we found very quickly, we became a super user and built an awesome team. And now we work with a ton of public companies and mid-market. And we just mostly help companies that are already on drift or getting onto drift to absolutely crush it so that they can jam. Yeah. And so Dan, tell me about the chatbots, how they have worked traditionally and what makes your work different. Yeah. So I think there's two pieces when you looked at drift, right? Like or in a chatbot in general. Mostly it's this little bot in the in the bottom that just like mostly says something that's non-contextual, right? They're just like, hey, how can I help you? Welcome. Need some help. Well, if you come to a site, it's just not contextual and everything is around context. Like you click on ads because they're contextual and you do all this work as a company to get someone to the site. And then you ask this like, how can I help you today? Which I think is hilarious. So anyway, one part is just context, right? Being contextual to someone's actual need is a big deal. That's in anything, right? Like any sales and any software, everything comes down to, is it contextual to your need? And can you get there quickly? Then the second thing is we figured out all the different activations. So if you think about if there's just a bot in the corner just randomly fires based on a, maybe it's a target account or someone has 50 employees or whatever random different opener you're going to use based on that need. Instead, we were like, well, where can we find different points to activate them, right? So it's like actually getting rid of your forms, using different experiences on mobile. And so that's been really our piece was those two pieces of context activation. And then the third piece is really just being able to make it scalable. Because the problem with chatbots is if you build each piece each time, you're constantly rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. So we built a way that it's scalable. So once it's built, you can very easily for their team or our team or whoever's team it is, is being able to easily build new chatbots that are effective for any type of content. And I feel like that's like what we had to deal with when we were building out our chatbot strategy here at BrainCell. It's just like we put it all together and it just wasn't scaling right. Let me just say this, Elliot is fixing all of that right now for us. Yeah, we're today, I just started on it, so. Yeah, in fact, I just, while we were talking or you were talking, I went in to see if we fixed the, can you get to a live person? And suppose it just trading for email, then trying to schedule it, right? It was like, when we saw that and you showed me, I was like, oh my God, we're not getting it. Yeah, there's, I think, with a lot of when you think chatbots are still really new, right? And chatbot strategy is still new. And even, you know, the chatbot companies don't necessarily understand the strategy because they're not in it on a daily basis, right? And they're trying to push their own things. And so it just comes down to, can we make them grow however it is? 
And it's not about just the platform or the chatbot. That's where you can integrate everything in together and cause a lot of success. But I'd say the biggest two things that I see where people make mistakes in chatbots is one is not having anything contextual and then not creating any real value in the bot because it's otherwise it's just a glorified form. Yeah. So I think I have a lot of customer support leaders that reach out to me about chatbot technology, like the FAQs, what you were talking about. They're looking for ways to deflect into more self-service, but Drift have pur- has purposes that are like far beyond just self-service. I mean, we're really talking about converting website visitors. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences between those functions? Yeah, so you're always going to have different folks coming to the site, right? You've got new people, you've got customers, you've got people who've already had a demo. And the idea is, can you get them as soon as possible what they need? So first, it's making sure you can separate right away so you don't have like salespeople talking to a customer service issue around something, right? Like whatever it is. It's making sure that if you have customer service people on there, you could have live customer service people on there. The other way is to use the AI, right? So for example, as you answer real questions, there's only really a hundred questions. Like anyone can ask you about your business, right? There's really only a hundred that anyone's really going to ask. And there's a couple random ones. And realistically, you can narrow that down to about 25 questions, right? That might be pricing. It might be like, does it integrate with this? Like there's a basic core. Once you have those questions answered, you can either build it yourself where you answer every question using those phrases to automatically answer it, or you can use an AI like Drift's AI or some other AI platforms that'll literally give the real answer. And it learns off of each variable. So then someone can ask the question, get a real answer for support, and then be able to talk to someone if they need to. But you can also integrate it into all kinds of like Backend systems like Zendesk to automatically do Zendesk tickets or chat right in Zendesk with Drift Chatbot, or you, and that's with a lot of different chatbot systems, right? I mean, but customer service, I'd say, is people focus a lot on customer service, right? And that customer experience. What about the prospect experience? Like that's just been missed. So I think that it's hilarious when you think about how someone comes into a, we have our seller process we want, and then you got the buyer process, right? The buyers are like, hey, I've done a bunch of research. I'm finally here. I just want to get right to it. And then they get to the form and they're like, do I really want this 10 email cadence? (laughs) Right? Do I really want this? And the reason they're not ready is they just have a question. And so whether that's in customer service or in the prospect experience, wherever it is, if you can answer those one or two questions, whether it's live or it's with a chatbot, you will win either way. I mean, that's one of the things that I do. If anyone comes to our site, right, to the bot lab, And they say at any point, like, I want to chat with someone, even if I'm busy, as long as I'm not on a Zoom, one of our team is on a Zoom, we literally say, hey, I'm in between meetings. Do you want to chat real quick over Zoom? And just dropping that link, it's an instant conversation because the intent level is so high at that moment. And that's where it's intent, whether, again, it's customer service, prospect, it doesn't matter. That intent is never higher than it could be at that moment. And then we just go, oh, I want to fill this form, like we'll book a demo for later. But think about the intent, right? Like they're excited right now. Three days later, they forgot completely what the damn product even is. I don't know, have you ever done that? Like you sign up for something, you're like, what are we talking about again? Like, what does your product even do? All day you know? long, all day long. <laughs> uh, thanks, Allie, for the laugh. So the intent moment is exactly right. They're there at that moment. They have the question, engage them now. Is that what you're saying? And it's right to, it's the actual, it's a transaction. And this is the other, 
I think, piece from a sales perspective that it's missed, right? When you're doing enterprise sales, you have this enterprise sales process, right? And you ask lots of questions and get all the discovery and you learn so much about their needs and challenges. Bots are transactional. The only goal of the bot is to go, I am chatting with you right now. Can I move you right now to a Zoom call? Right now, so then I can ask my qualifying questions to either disqualify you myself or that salesperson a five-minute no or a 10-minute yes moving into the next call. And people instead mistake that for, let me answer 300 questions over chat. So if I were to ask you this, and maybe this is an unfair question, but could you encapsulate for me some of the best conversions that you use chatbots for? Does that question make sense? Yeah. So the best conversion, obviously, is someone going from a live chat directly over to a Zoom call, right? Which is just inside of the chat. You can even have a button on your site that says like, when you're converting your demo button, right? So I'd say the number one first is going to be your demo button, right? Getting rid of your form completely and just firing a bot. Because what's the point of the form? If you're asking the same questions, you're getting to a real person who can qualify, or you already have enough information to know they're qualified, right? Once you get rid of that form, then it's giving two options, right? It's I can chat or I can book a meeting, right? And in that moment when they're chatting, your only goal if you're online is to move them to a Zoom call, right? Or answer their question, find out very quickly that they're not a fit, right? Very, very quickly, which I think we can all do better on Zoom calls anyway. So let's make sure the audience understands that. I remember talking about this with you and what you said was get rid of your, basically your landing page forms, right? And you have a bot instead to be able to answer the questions and you can activate an engagement right away. That's the bet one, right? So- so then what happens to the marketing automation of their forms? Does it go well, away? Well, this is what's really interesting. So the marketing automation still happens. So when you've got someone who's chatting and you've got someone who's booking a demo, there are people who still won't book a demo who give an email, just like someone who fills out a form and then doesn't book a demo, right? And there's automation. There are people who chat who aren't ready but had a question. There's still automation. So then you're basically taking that segmented list and going, you basically have three lists, right? And I find this funny that no company has these three lists. Here's the three lists. This is if you're on Marketo, you're on Pardot, whatever it is, right? The first list should be, have they had a demo yet? If they have already had a demo, you probably don't want your chatbot telling them to book a demo, right? Because it looks stupid, I'd say. Unintelligent. Or unintelligent. Yes, unintelligent. Unpersonalized. I'm just trying to be kind to the bots out there. Any bots listening? It's not a dumb thing. It's just unintelligent. So then you've got ones where people are already a customer. Well, if someone's already a customer, you obviously don't want to try and book a demo for them because they're there for a reason. It's a customer service typically or maybe an upgrade, right? So you have to have the right bot. Then you've got the third one, which is they haven't booked a demo yet. And then you've got all of your automation in between those when you move someone into a Marketo smart list or a Pardot list or whatever, you know, marketing list or sales loft or whatever different automation you're using, you're still doing it, but it all comes down to intent, right? So if, if you think about right now, if the tent is the, and the intent is the highest right now, how many are you actually going to convert from the automation? You, you'll do some because that's why it's worth it, right? Like we all know automation is worth it for follow-ups and email cadences. We know it's worth it, but does it convert as well as in the moment in someone's highest intent? It doesn't, right? And there's a diminishing return. It's not to say they don't work because they work. It's just, why are we making people go through that process or making people go through a qualification email versus training salespeople, either having your bot qualify, 
the correct qualifications that are need to know. I mean, like, if I don't know this, I will not talk to this person. I mean, like, absolutely disqualifiers. And again, it's hard to think about that because we don't want to gain every piece of info, right? Like, we want everything. Like, tell me your firstborn child's son's name. It's like, (laughs) no, you know, you don't need that, right? But ultimately, if you can get the disqualifiers out the way, it's training sales BDRs and reps to do five-minute no's, 10-minute yeses, not 30-minute hold discovery calls. It's, can I get the qualifications? Make sure it makes sense because the prospect is deciding on you and you're deciding on them at the same time, right? So it's not a discovery call. It's really like, are you qualified and am I qualified to buy it? Great. Now let's move to another call if it makes sense at all. Side note, are you working on the three lists with my marketing department? We are. Yeah. Okay, good. So we always do Thank that God. because otherwise it's just awkward. More for prospects because, I again, it's the prospect experience. Because it becomes irrelevant conversation and people can be turned off by that. You know, Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, which I know all of you are, I don't know who all these people are, but you're going to want to rewind this because there's a lot of nuggets here. And I think it's really cool because Eliav came to our website. He saw this. Now, by the way, we are paying Eliav to do the work for us. Even though we're strategic partners, he still needs to be paid. And what made it really simple was a five-minute call with our head of marketing who already told us with our shitty bot how much we converted. And imagine what we're going to convert when LAF goes through the strategic process on our bot. And that's the funny thing is you can have a really crappy chat bot and still produce results. And that's where it becomes fascinating is like, well, what happens if you had a 300 or 500% lift in conversations What is that equal to in demos and in book meetings and then an actual conversion? And if anybody remembers what I always am trying to accomplish is we're trying to get outcomes for clients, right? And we're trying to also mitigate the need to hire humans at every corner of growth, put humans over whether they're very effective and stop with the repetitive work where bots can take over. So this is a way to improve your net profit, become more efficient. And not just increase revenue, but more efficient on a, an increased revenue. And I would say it's what's interesting is it's both that it's getting rid of the friction initially, right? Of someone coming to the site and being able to chat, like get that one question answered so they can book a meeting, right? Like I'd say majority of sales, even in like mid-market, you know, under a $30,000 product are typically a one question, like, can it do this? And if it does that, they're like, okay, I'm open. <laughs> Like, and if it's not, they're like, you're disqualified, right? And it's non-threatening. It's not salesy. It's uh, it's informational. But I think then where you use these things is, is you get rid of that friction, that whole long process of emails back and forth, and a lot of that stuff to allowing some to chat or book a meeting. And then throughout the whole sales process, it's also really fast because you're accelerating the sales process by using it. So you can see everybody who's coming to the site from your buying party. I'm pretty sure that's helpful. If you can see all the stuff they clicked on or watched a certain video, I mean, even you saw with me, I sent you the SOW and a drift video, right? So I do that because it allows you to share it with anyone you need. So you have a seven minute video you can share. It breaks it down step by step, makes it really, really easy. And that way on that video, you can still chat or book a meeting. So it's still leading the accessibility. That's how sales reps that accelerate that sales process too. Folks, are you hearing all these cool things that you can do? I mean, this is cool stuff, like accelerating the sales. Who doesn't want to make a sale go faster so you can get more sales? I mean, this is mind-blowing. Let me ask you this, because I want to make sure we're respectful of your time. Drift is the partner that we both work with as the chatbot. What do you think makes Drift different and better? Ah, there's two key pieces. 
Number one is that they have what's called conversational content. And number two, they have what's called conversational video. Conversational content is a PDF next to a conversation. So it's ungating your content. So to give you an example, I landed a hot air balloon, right? In a cul-de-sac in a gated community. 200 people came up around me. They're really excited. We booked a whole bunch of rides, right? Just saw people asking questions about balloons. Someone said, I'm scared of heights. How does that work, right? And literally we booked a ton. Now outside of the gate, could any of those guys get their question answered? No, they didn't book. That's gated content. It's hilarious. We're like, check out this really cool piece of content I created. And now I'm going to gate the hell out of it. And I'm just going to not let you read it to become interested in what I do. I think it's hilarious. So instead, you have the content next to an actual bot that is contextual to the bot and the issues they're dealing with and allows them to write while they're reading it, even higher intent to now book our chat, right? Then the second one is with video, it's the same thing. I can drop a video and have a chatbot on the side of it that gives them accessibility. I think those are the two core pieces. And then there's some other pieces that are really interesting just around uh, that Drift has continued to build out as far as making it really easy to build out and then push everything in a really easy integration with like Salesforce and HubSpot and Pardot and Marketo of the major ones. It's been a fascinating as they've grown because I've been involved with Drift since they sucked back in like 2007. <laughs> so they were horrible back then and I thought it was good then. So. so again, one of the salient points that I'm hearing is for all those marketers out there that have always talked about the argument, the debate, ungate, not ungate, you know, have this is the real winner. You're you ungating. Some percentages? Yeah. Here's some percentages. If you, just by someone going to that PDF, there's a 12 to 15% engagement rate, meaning they're going to engage with the content and like say, yes, I want to download it or yes, I have a question or something. It is a 60% average email capture. And you're not just capturing the email, then you're getting to chat with them or book meetings. Tell me one gated content piece that has a 60% even like going to the form and to fill it out. Instead of like a 5 10% like willing to fill it out, you lose all those people. So here's the rule. If you have good content, should you ungate it? Yes. If you have terrible content, should you ungate it? No, you should gate the hell out of it. Hell out of it. It won't bring any value. And they're not going to book a meeting off of it. Right. So imagine good content, live questions being answered. Meeting can be set right when it's the intentful time that people want to engage. It's like a no-brainer, man. Everything is intense. And if it, the intent's always the highest when they're on your site, and it's actually, I would argue that it's even higher. I'd say it's at the same spot before they even hit your website because they're looking at reviews, articles, whatever it is. The intent's here. Then they come to the website and it's non-contextual and it comes down a little bit and then it comes back up. Right. We're doing that too, right? When you do the project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, okay. we'll chat okay, more good. about that. All right, good. Hey, um, so let me, let me move a little bit on because I know they're running out of time. Give me one company's example that you have just knocked it out of the park for them? I would say uh, Butterfly Network. They do point of care ultrasounds. So they're both e-com and SaaS. We worked with them before they even launched Drift and they have absolutely jammed. So if you check out both their website and also their mobile, it's a completely different experience. And it's also even on their e-com page where it allows people to chat. So and converting folks. And that's Butterfly Network? Yeah, just butterflynetwork.com. So if you click on some of the specialty, you'll see specialty bots, all kinds of different stuff in there. It's pretty fascinating. And they even allow like a live ultrasound person to chat with you right now. So they have like a live ultrasound person who will literally show people just how it works and answer clinical questions as well as 
a different group that it passes to for product, which is fascinating. So I'm going to move you quickly to our techtainment session because I know that Allie has to do a demo. She's got to work. She's got to go earn a... So do you have a question for uh, Ellie? Yeah. What's your most dangerous balloon happening? I would say that it was when I was a student pilot. I hadn't learned my emergency procedures yet. And this guy signed me off and let me go up in the balloon by myself. And there was a thunderstorm about 100 miles out. And I got a gust of wind, some outflow that knocked my pilot lights out. And I didn't know how to relight them. So the pilot lights, these little, like, you know, little fuel right? Always stay lit, just like your fireplace. Okay. So anyway, I climbed up onto the side of the basket at 2000 feet, trying to relight it with my sparker after being excited. I had found my sparker. I was dropping about 600 feet a minute. Couldn't get them lit. Finally, I was like, I just got to maybe spray a little propane. Got it relit that way, which apparently was the correct emergency procedure. I just didn't know it yet. I landed 25 miles an hour. And after landing, I was like, wow, if I can do it today, and not hurt myself, I can see myself being a successful balloon pilot. What I didn't know at the time was one thing. A balloon acts like a parachute. So even if it were to continue falling and I never relit, I would have been fine because there's only a max speed it could come down. Oh. That, I didn't know that at the time. So I was like, oh. I've got to find a way right at this moment. Because uh, I was thinking that was going to be a pretty good thud at 600 feet per minute. It would have actually come down about eight or 900 feet a minute at the end, but that's still only about you know nine miles an hour. So. You know, that's really not that crazy, right? But again, that's why balloons are the safest form of all aviation in the world still today. Now I'm more interested than ever. I wanted to ask you a question. We're going to bring it back to a final piece of this. But in the hot air balloon, what if you got to go to the bathroom? What do you do? Uh, it's only an hour. So it's an hour flight. But so. what if it's a bad situation? Uh, maybe we'd land, I guess. Okay. But <laughs> that, that would be, be more in a gas balloon. You'd deal with something different, you know. Gotta- Right. Yeah. You know, there's been times where I haven't flown because I just wasn't feeling well or for any reason. You know, and if ever a pilot's not feeling well, like that's the time when you, you know, would not fly in general. You know, so it all comes down to, you know, ultimate pilot decision making, making good decisions. That's whether it's around the weather or it's whether you're feeling good. So I'm always happy to cancel everyone if someone doesn't feel well or the weather's weird because, you know, the truth is everywhere, everyone has somewhere to go back to. Right. I've got kids, you've got a son. Like, you know, it's like, there's no reason. Right. So what is the gas that uh, you use in a balloon? We use propane. Um, so we use propane. And then now I'm getting into hydrogen uh, ballooning, which is really, really fun that I'm super stoked about. Because in a hydrogen balloon, you can fly for a lot longer. Oh, very interesting. And of course, in those balloons that we use for the kids, uh, what do they use? That's helium. Oh, that's interesting. Do you have a company that you're working on that has that name? Funny enough, yes. I like that. That was a good uh, transition. So I was trying to move into uh, it and I struggled. Yeah. So so really when you think about like helium or hydrogen, like that's been around forever for ballooning, right? And it's all about like expansion, right? You can go to somewhere where no one else can go, right? You're flying for the first time. Well, if you're on the ground, you can only see so much or get your whatever it is. When you go up, you're seeing it a brand new way, right? And this was everyone from Da Vinci, whoever it was, everyone is set around flight. Ben Franklin, all these people were really excited that like that this was it, right? And it was using gas. So what happened, which is funny enough, in the homage to ballooning, I created a, a new subcompany called Helium with the idea that when we were building chatbots for folks initially, I had a couple brands that were kind of manufacturers. And they said, well, can we 
I said, well, what happens to the guy in Nebraska? The guy in Nebraska talked to the person who's in Nebraska, even though you're the major national site. And they said, well, right now we just send him an email. I said, well, what if you, why not let them chat? And I said, that sounds great. And I go, why don't you charge them? (laughs) And we realized it couldn't really be done with Drift, but it could be done in different ways. So what Helium specifically does is it allows you to use your chat bot to chat where the highest intent moment is, which is on an article about you, a review about you, or a blog post comparing. So just like on your own website where you can chat and book meetings, we allow you to do that on any other third-party website. So think like G2, think think the New York Times, think like an article comparing Salesforce versus Sugar CRM, like all the blog posts, all that stuff. So that's your highest moment of intent, right? Because right there, it's like conversational content. It's an article, right? When you question, can you get an answer? And the answer is yes. And when you can do that, you know that it's someone who's high intent. You know they're already qualified based on the site they're on. And that's very, very powerful. So that will eventually integrate with all the backend systems. So for those of you listening out there, this is really, really, really cool. And again, you could be on an advertisement, for example, a digital ad. You could also do with a digital ad, but it's the intent is on the article, right? Like if there's an article specifically talking about picking the right, choosing between Salesforce and Sugar CRM, right? Like just choosing between the two. If you could chat with someone right there, what is that worth to either Salesforce or Sugar CRM? Getting into the conversation first. Now, there's no intent data yet, either, right? Like the intent data hasn't even showed up in six months or anyone else. It's literally you are the first moment where they are researching and learning about it. Now you get to tell them why your product is better and you're the educational person. Are they most likely going to work with you? Yes. I see it. It's kind of like two football teams playing. You got the Seahawks. And you got the Broncos playing, right? And then you got the 49ers going, but we're good. Can we play? Well, most of the time they don't get to play unless they're really cheap, right? And it's our budget. Otherwise, the two are battling it out. And sometimes there's only one person in the game. Right. So what's the commercial terms? How do you get them to pay? How does Salesforce or Sugar or... Sure. So it works just like almost as like a brand new type of ad unit, right? So just as the same sense of where you where you're either paying as a fee to be on that site for just like you have like a Yelp for example you can put a little button on Yelp site right that says like chat with me or book a meeting that connects to your account and you pay for it right you're paying accessibility to make them not go to your site right because it's more effective so will it be a pay per click kind of thing there will be based on volume there'll be some based on that and then also some flat fees based on the different systems that we're now integrating with and connecting over but the future where really it's going is that you've got on your own website that's a limited amount right of people it's only people that make to your site that then that few can chat with the chatbot here it just expands out to hundreds and hundreds of sites that are your most high intent conversations that are going to happen so there definitely will it'll be end up being cheaper than Google ad spend right? But it'll be a higher converting because everyone, if everyone could do cost per conversion, everyone would do, people don't do it because people's site sucks, whatever else. But if you can go to having a conversation, we know that that chat conversation, if you break that down, I mean, let's break it down math wise. Let's say you make $10,000 a sale, right? And your closing percentage is 30%. That means that each demo is $3,000, right? Well, how many conversations does it take to get a demo? Let's say it's 10. Well, if it's 10, that's $300 a conversation. That's what it's worth. Now, is it going to be $300 a conversation? No. 
But is that what it's worth? Yes. And so that's where there's certain sites, depending on how it is, we have different relationships we're building as the ecosystem. Some will be more flat fees and some will be based on those numbers and then overall volume because there are costs around it. So you're getting them while they're on their intent dark funnel journey. You could be the first step in the intent journey that just beginning. We're making that dark funnel actionable for the first time because actually intent data isn't a lead, right? Like people are confused. Intent data aren't leads. Like that's not a lead. That's like they're checking stuff out and, and those things work, right? In general, but they're not leads. And so this is like, let's make it actionable. Like right now at the highest, when you think about that intent, if I'm reading an article, I'm freaking excited. There's my intent right now on this webinar. If someone's excited, should they right now be able to book a meeting? Yes, they should be able to because that's that high level intent, no matter what it's for on all your podcasts, right? whatever you're talking about, different CRMs, different systems, automation, in that moment is the high moment of intent. It's not when they go. This could literally obsolete the intent data programs. It makes them actionable. I'm not saying it gets rid of them, but it does a pretty damn good job of making it actual because it's not every place you're going to have it. So there's still opportunity for intent data and all that big data. But that's a whole nother conversation around intent data that of where it's not actionable and how you have to build systems to make it even slightly actionable in your sales process. I mean, that's a whole undertaking. When's the launch date of this? So officially it'll be with our beta group of clients. It'll be going live next week. So that'll be, you'll see a bunch of articles. We're going to have chatbots on the actual articles on different news sites that are talking about it. And we've got some of those pre-set up, but Right now, we're taking a couple other beta ones in, but again, it's in its early processes, and we're but it's based on all of the same learnings about from that we've gotten from drift from all these giant companies of how you engage and what works, and that's really that special sauce as we're kind of diving into it in what's possible because there's no way on your own you can take your drift chatbot or any chatbot and throw it on to G two. They're just not going to do it, right? Because there's data, there's all kinds of stuff, and they don't want crap popping up, so it's how do you make that effective? And that's really where we're that middle partner to be able to work with all the chapter companies to make this really work powerfully. I think it's brilliant. And that's where we're going to leave it today. This is uh, Elliot Cohen of the Bot Lab and his new venture, Helium. So be on the lookout of this Helium concept, folks. Check out the Bot Lab. We're working directly with Elliot and his, and his magic that he brings to strategy around bots. It's not just putting in a bot. So we're putting it all together. We also are partners of Drift. So Elliot, great having you here today in this conversation. I knew it would flow like like butter. I know. I feel like we could have like a three-hour oh. like. Jeez, you know, I could, I could, podcast, you know, that no one listened to, but dude, I could talk to you all day and I can't wait till we talk more about NFTs and, uh, what is it? Girl escape? Uh, oh, boarding, uh, boarding, boarding. Uh, yeah. I'm still learning. Boarding, okay. They're getting there. Yeah. And then whoever figures that whole thing out between like chatbots, NFTs, like some, uh, we've, we've thought about that. I'm like, I got enough going on right now between balloons, bots, and, and helium, you know, between those. Um, and besides that, I'm trying to go to Germany to go fly hydrogen balloons. So awesome. Working on all that. You stay safe. And I can't wait someday to come out and go on a, a ride with you. And now I know that I, it's only an hour. That's right. I can, hold, right. It. You can, I can hold it. it. I can got hold it. it. Even at my age. Thank you very much, Elliot Cohen, the Bot Lab, Helium. Thank you, Brian Anderson. Thank you to Allie. Hey, great to have you again with us. And folks, you can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found. What, Apple and uh, where else? Uh, Spotify and iTunes. Elliot, peace, man. We'll see you later.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow. Let's grow.